Welcome to the Take the Cake podcast. I am your host, Kate Noel, and I am so happy you're here. My mission is to inspire you to be the best version of yourself by truly honoring what your mind, body, and soul want and need. Here, we talk about everything and anything, wellness, recovery, lifestyle stuff, lots more. Thank you so much for being here, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, Take the Cake podcast listeners. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. How are we doing? Happy Wednesday. I am recording this classic me on an evening. I typically record on Tuesday evenings. It's become a nice ritual and I absolutely love it. (laughs) And today I'm going to be talking about all in, right? This term, quote, all in versus taking it slow in recovery. And I'm going to share my personal opinion as a coach, as a recovery coach, and as a recovered person on what I think is generally, not what I think is best, but the lens I'd like to look at it and how to make the best choice for you right now and some tips on um, just if you feel lost in terms of should I be going quote all in? Should I be taking it one step at a time? Um, it's It can be really confusing in the recovery realm and the recovery sphere. Um, so I'm just going to talk to you about what's what's up in my mind and what I, the way that I approach it with most of my clients, not all, but most of my clients. So I think I'll start by talking about what all in even is because I don't know. I think, you know, it's like 50-50. Some people know what it is and some people don't. So all in was this term that was coined by Dr. Nicola Rinaldi, who is the author of No Period, Now What? And so this approach to recovery was actually more so for hypothalamic amenorrhea recovery. So if you don't have your period because of your under eating or over exercising or whatever it may be, your period's gone missing, that this all in terminology comes from HA recovery, comes from that realm of people. I absolutely loved and still do to this day love the book, No Period, Now What? And I love Dr. Dr. Rinaldi's approach to recovery in this way. So all in, this is, you know, I highly recommend the book if this is something you're interested in. And I'll also leave her podcast, a good podcast that explains more about what all in is because she does have a podcast. I'll leave that link down below and you can check it out because I think it's it's a lot more informative. I'm just going to briefly touch on it. So all in, there's a few different criteria that she has come up with. One of them is a minimum number of calories per day. I'm not going to give you the exact number. I don't know if that's the best thing to do on this show. If, like I said, if you really want to go in more detail in terms of numbers, you can buy the book and or listen to the podcast episode. I'm leaving link down below at your own discretion. So a minimum number of calories, it's more calories than many of us think it is. Another criteria is eating all foods. So Um, You know, unless you have a medical dietary restriction, all the things that you've been restricting, essentially, eating everything. No, nothing's off limits. 
The next criteria is cutting out high-intensity exercise. The next criteria is reducing and managing your stress. And then the final criteria is working on the mental aspects of HA recovery, of recovery in general, like body image and the core beliefs and the deeper meaning behind your eating disorder. So those are the criteria that she listed. And um, it's more, there's way more to it than this. You know, there's so much research that she does in her book. It's honestly such a wonderful book if you do have hypothalamic amenorrhea and or if you're just, your period isn't really regular or you're just interested in learning more about your fertility, honestly. So this book totally changed my life and it really jump-started my recovery and um, I I appreciate it, right? This all-in approach. Essentially, you're going for it. You know, you're not holding back. You're eating three meals and three snacks a day. You're eating all food groups. You're really turning a new leaf completely. And I do think that there is a percentage of people that this works for. A lot of people think, I think a lot of people think that I coach in this way and that is not true. I personally, you know, on YouTube way back when, shout out to my YouTube OG people. (laughs) On YouTube, I definitely have said that I did go all in in the past. And to be honest, I went, (laughs) I don't know, probably more like 80% all in. Some days 75%, some days I did 100%. So it wasn't necessarily all, all, all in. And I just have you know, in hindsight, a different experience now. So HA recovery is sometimes mixed in with eating disorder recovery, right? That sometimes happens, not always. And I think that it seems to me that the eating disorder recovery space, nothing to do with HA recovery, just the eating disorder recovery space has taken that term on for themselves. So I get a lot of questions about going all in. And I really love the approach of going all in for some people, like I said, and specifically if you have a goal like getting your period back or becoming pregnant. However, I don't necessarily think that the approach of going all in is for everyone, especially for everyone who their main focus and their main energy um, is going towards eating sort of recovery, which like I said, it can of course include AJ recovery. Um, so here are my thoughts. And, and also I want to mention like maybe going all in is great for you and then you get your period back and then it's not working for you anymore. Or maybe going slow is not working for you anymore. So you decide to go all in. The point of this episode is not to tell you that you have to be black and white about it. It is that you have autonomy over your own life and you can assess your own life. And it, there's so many things that will depend on which option or even merging the two options together will actually, you know, help you in this time of your life. So now I want to talk, so that's all in, okay? And now I want to talk about my approach to recovery when it comes to eating more food, exercising less, when it comes to working on the middle, all these aspects of recovery, right? Or all these aspects of all in that, uh, Dr. Rinaldi had had mentioned as a part of going all in. So my approach is 
is building positive experiences and taking it slow. Okay, so eating disorder recovery is about more than the behaviors. Recovery asks us to pay attention to our lives. So what will serve you in your routine now, right? If you are not feeling like what you're doing in your recovery is working for you, that doesn't make you a bad person. That doesn't make it wrong. That is life asking you, recovery asking you to pay attention, to either recommit, to switch it up, to be more honest with your team, with yourself, to come up with a new plan, to try something else out, even just to try again. It's just asking something of you. So what I really, what really is important to me is building positive experiences and doing things slowly and sustainably. I'll give you more details, I promise. I want to start by saying we all want to be happy. You know, we all want to be happy most of the time. And throughout life, we have seasons and days and moments when life is not positive. And that's honestly how it should be. Life is not positive all the time. You know, being positive 24-7 will result in burnout. It will result in having too high of expectations. And that's just not the way the world works, right? If you see someone who's always happy, it's kind of annoying. And that person's kind of delusional, honestly. So it's just not like that. And we learn a lot from negative experiences, right? We learn the most from negative experiences. It's not, it's, it's easy to be in a learning or open or receptive mentality when your life is not going super well. I think all of us know that, right? Why are we even, that's why we're listening to this podcast. You know, we're in a season of life where life is hard. Life is not as positive as, and happy as we'd like it to be. So we're searching. That's a good thing. And so often, you know, when people in recovery, they go quote all in and they eat everything they want. They completely stop their exercise routine. They feel motivated. That's great, but it's for the short term. And then one day they wake up and they get overwhelmed with everything that's been going on. And all of a sudden they feel like, oh shit, I've just ruined everything or their eating disorder gets really loud and then they, you know, want to take it all back and they do even more extreme things to try and compensate for this short period of time of going all in. And that's obviously a generalization. That's just something that I've seen in my life as a recovery content creator and coach that people can do that sometimes. That was my experience. So that's really why I'm even saying it. It's anecdotal. And so I, as a coach and as a podcaster, want to do things that help us in the long term. Because in the long term, going all in, if it doesn't actually uh, suit your life right now, can be toxically positive, right? It can be too much. And I don't, you know, my... I had Dr. Nicole Rinaldi on the ep- on this podcast, so I absolutely love her work. I absolutely love her work. And I think that for, like I said, so, so, so many people, this approach of going all in works very, very, very well. And it's proven to work well. You know, there's literally countless number of women who she has gotten them their periods back, gotten them pregnant, gotten their fertility under control, helped them in their recovery journey. 
And so, um, you know, this is about finding what works for you. And this is just me giving you an alternative experience if it's not working for you or if you're looking to try something else. So I want to focus on long-term positive experiences where we list what the ultimate goal actually is and taking it one step at a time. And then we build ourselves up to this point. So for example, let's say in terms of, um, let's say in terms of diet, you have a fear of food or a food that you've been avoiding. And let's say the ultimate goal is, I mean, ultimate goal is food freedom, right? Let's be a little more niche than that. And let's say the ultimate goal is I want to go and get a chili cheese hot dog with the bun. How do you feel when I said that? (laughs) So let's say that's the goal. What can we do to build yourself up to that experience and making it a positive experience so that you can prove to yourself that you will survive the anxiety without using the typical eating disorder coping mechanisms while still challenging yourself. So that could look like, okay, the ultimate goal is the chili cheese dog with the bun. Let's start with buying a pack of hot dogs and having one bite of a hot dog or half of a hot dog. That's fine. Or perhaps let's go to the store and buy a can of chili or make your own chili and have some, you know, cut up some little hot dogs in there and have it as a side or have it as your meal. So whatever it is that you need to do, so whatever it is that you need to do that's realistic for you and safe while you're still challenging yourself is a good idea. So you need to assess where you're at and really ask yourself, and as a coach, this is what I help my clients do sometimes is where can we start and how can we make this a positive experience and what else can we do to make it a positive experience? So let's say the chili cheese hot dog. Okay. You decide to go to the store, buy a can of chili and cut up some hot dog pieces inside of it and have it as a side. That's an option for you. Or, you know, maybe, (laughs) maybe something that's easier, um, to kind of conceptualize is my, goal, ultimate goal is to have a bakery chocolate chip cookie, like the whole cookie. It's a big one. And let's say, okay, how can we build up to that? We could go to the bakery and we could have half of it. We could have a fourth of it, or we could go to the store and buy, you know, maybe a more quote safe type of cookie and have half of that or have that instead. And then the next time we can work our way up. So there are other things that you can do to build this experience for yourself So there, you know, you can play your favorite songs while you're listening to or while you're eating the food. You can do it with somebody that you trust and love so much. You can, um, anything that you can do to make it more positive, doing it in a time of your week where you're really usually so happy and free and you've gotten enough sleep. Um, So that's what is important to me. And that is where I differ from the all-in approach with many of my clients, because I do think that there is a distinction and difference between strict HA recovery and then eating disorder recovery, right? HA recovery, I, I know enough about it, but it's a little bit more, I think, general. And honestly, I think that eating disorder recovery, you know, there's that coping 
mechanism. It's not really about the food. So that's why it's important to me to build positive experiences. Like I said, by building these experiences that are smaller, surviving the anxiety, doing a positive thing, you prove to yourself that you can survive this. You master it, right? And so there's a DBT skill. It's um, called ABC. And I'm not super familiar with DBT skills. And it's actually a similar approach to this method. So it stands for A stands for accumulate positive experiences slash emotions. B is build mastery and C is coping ahead. So obviously you accumulate positive experiences, you build mastery. So that means let's say for the hot dog one, you end up having the chili and you really like it and you're like, wow, this was so good. Okay, maybe the next week you do that again. Or maybe, and then maybe the time after that, you do that and then you buy some bread to kind of dip it in. And then you do that. And then you build these positive experiences up in your mind until you feel strong and satisfied and the anxiety is less and you end up going and getting the chili cheese hot dog with the bun at whatever store you want to get it at, the hot dog store. <laughs> so that's what, you know, I, I just love that I decided to do the, the example of a hot dog. Like, I don't know why I did. <laughs> maybe I want to, maybe I want a chili cheese hot dog or something. I keep wanting to say corn dog. Whew. Okay. So you build mastery, right? This is the B in the DBT, or this is the B in the ABC DBT skill. You build mastery and you start to feel more comfortable. The C stands for cope ahead in the ABC skill. So that's something, you know, I want to mention too, is it's important to understand that you're still challenging yourself. And so having tools, you know, having your recovery toolbox tools ready to go so that you know, you know, I understand this is going to be a challenging experience for me. I know the things I can do and will do if it gets too hard. You can always stop too. You can always stop. And sometimes it feels impossible to stop. And that's a whole other thing. But just know that take it as slow as you need. As a coach, you know, if I feel my clients are taking it so slow that they're kind of getting themselves incubated and stuck in a certain spot, let's talk about it. What's going on? How can you challenge yourself? How can you, you know, tell a different story to yourself? What is the old story that you're telling yourself? Recovery teaches us that we can be really strong, if anything, right? If, if it's the only thing it teaches you, it teaches you that you, you're so damn strong and you can handle a lot of tough stuff. So I, of course, you know, as far as timing goes, like if you, you know, taking it so slow that you're like, well, I'm going to do this this year and this next year, that's too slow, I would say. What is realistic and safe for you? I would say maybe doing one thing every week is a good option just so it's fresh in your mind. Maybe every month if you're really busy or if it's really scary, um, that's another option as well. So just building up and I like to go on the frame of every week. So this week, let's say the cookie, let's, let's, let's ditch the hot dog example. Let's say the cookie is what you want from this bakery. Let's, you know, this week start by buying a 
cookie that you've had before that you feel pretty okay with, buying that, having half of it, and listening to your favorite song, doing it on a night that you feel good, and then the following week you can do that again. Uh, You can maybe eat the whole cookie that time. Like I said, coping ahead. So having some journaling, having a nice nighttime routine after, doing whatever it is you need to do to cope ahead. Maybe the following week, week three could be, I go to the bakery, I get the cookie, and I have a quarter of it. Maybe the next week you can do the same thing. Maybe the next week you can have half of it. So basically, it depends on the person, but building up to the experience. And this is not just with food. This is with anything. This is with wearing certain types of clothes. This can be with looking at yourself, like exposing yourself to your own body. So maybe you need to build slow, sustainable, positive experiences around these certain types of foods that have become really scary to you in that way. Lots of different options. Another one is exercise, building positive experiences around exercise, taking it slow and slowly titrating your exercise down to uh, something that's healthy. Maybe that means the ultimate goal is stopping for a couple months. That would be great. Of course, like your body would probably love it if you stopped exercising and, and went all in and stopped um, you know, having fear food and eating whatever you wanted. I'm talking more about the mental aspect of it, really. And the body, the body loves consistency. So I think as long, that's another aspect of taking it slow is this is building consistency and building that reliability of self back into your life. I hope that this made sense. I hope I didn't blabble on about hot dogs for too long. (laughs) That's, that's, uh, this is my approach, you know, as, as a coach for most people. And it's not for everyone. I just want to, I want people to know that you don't have to do it this certain way. There are just as many recovery journeys as there are people with eating disorder recovery journeys on this planet. Meaning you have a 100% unique individual journey that you have endeavored and you will continue to go on. There is no perfect example of what recovery looks like, not one. So I decided to ask on Instagram if any of you had any all-in questions. So I just decided to pick a few that I thought were repeats and I got a lot. So I picked ones I thought were most applicable. I got a lot of questions about extreme hunger and I'm planning to do an entire episode about that in the future. So I'm not going to address those now. Stay tuned if that interests you. So the first question is, how do I know if I'm eating too much or too little? Coming from the lens of eating sort of recovery, this is generalization. This is not for everyone. This is just some people, probably most of the people listening. There's a good chance you're not eating too much. If there's any feeling in your body that you're eating too little, I'm going to say there's a 99% chance that you're not eating enough. If there's any feelings in your body that you feel like you're eating too little, there's a good chance you're not eating enough and you are eating too little. That energy is instinctive. It's intuitive. It's there for a reason. And recovery is about building self 
trust again. So if you feel, if there's any sliver of you that thinks you're eating too little, if that's mental symptoms, physical symptoms, there's, it's worth addressing by eating more, experimenting, and trying it out. The body can mitigate food in, in a really beautiful way. And we come from a history often of micromanaging that so much and we lose so much trust in ourselves. In terms of eating too much, like I said, it's not a common thing I see in any of my clients. I have not seen that once in any of my clients. Obviously, that is not true for everyone. I would say really it's about honoring your hunger and your fullness. That's what's important here. The next question is, how do you go all in while having digestive problems? Yeah, this is interesting. I don't have a lot of experience with going all in in terms of digestion. I do have experience in talking about eating disorder recovery and digestive problems in general. And I think a lot of that also, you know, goes hand in hand with a lot of the recommendations from no period now what and going all in. There's so many reasons, potential reasons, possible reasons we have digestive problems in recovery. One of them is gastroparesis, and that's when your gut just slows down and stops moving as much. It just loses its strength because of the lack of nutrients in food. Another one is just stress. So stress wreaks havoc on the digestive system. Your gut microbiome is not as diverse. There's research out there that has proven that those with anorexia have a have weaker gut diversity than those without anorexia. So your gut microbiome is affected. Um, and so there's lots of potential problems here that coincide with, you know, HA recovery and eating disorder recovery. My tips, I have a whole digestion episode on this. Um, some of the things that are coming to the top of my head are, you know, reducing high fiber foods and just having the more generic version of the food can be helpful. Like not having the protein lentil pasta, having the regular pasta, having white rice over brown rice. Uh, bowel retraining is another one. So I'm not going to spend too much time talking about that. You can look it up. It's basically when you sit on the toilet about 20 minutes after breakfast every day and just relax and train your body to open your bowels at a certain time every day. It's important to not expect your body to produce a bowel movement. That's a really important factor that I want to mention. Uh, mindful eating is another option. Just taking a few deep breaths before you eat getting yourself into a relaxed state of mind, you know, digestive health and response comes when we're not stressed. So that relaxation response is really important. So um, that's all I mentioned now. You can, like I said, listen to the digestive episode if you have more interest in that. Really also the hypothalamus, so like hypothalamic amenorrhea, essentially what that wording means is we have a hypothalamus in our brain. That's the part of our brain that controls so much of our body systems. It controls just about everything in our body. 
including our hormones and including our nervous system and including our digestive system. So just like HA recovery, not eating enough, being too stressed, over-exercising too much, having you know poor mental health and not taking care of yourself, your hypothalamus will literally turn off your digestive system, digestive function. And I think it's important to remember that it's not about the food and that there's an underlying root cause. Okay, my next question I got is, someone said binging versus going all in. So binging to me is subjective. You know, it's, it's about using behaviors or compensating throughout the day. So either compensating for something that you did yesterday or earlier in the day by eating a certain type of way or doing the opposite, using behaviors and um, compensating for the, your future self. So really, I think that if you're not sticking to your plan, if you're not sticking to your meal plan, you're not eating your meals, you're not coping, you're not taking care of yourself, what is the underlying reason behind this large amount of food you're having? You know, binges, there are certain factors I would say are more likely to be a binge than going all in um, or eating a large meal. So binges are typically not, you know, you don't use plates, you don't really use, you don't plate your food or bowl your food. Typically, you're not eating slowly or mindfully at all. You know, you're eating a lot. Usually, you're very distracted. Usually, you're thinking about what you're going to do to make up for this or you're just not even thinking at all. So, I would just love, you know, I I would need to know more about what your experience is with this binge to decipher if it's a large meal or if it's, you know, considered a binge. There's no magic formula for a binge. And if there is, I'm sorry, I don't know about it. You can send it my way. (laughs) Somebody said, what if I'm already at a healthy weight? So in terms of recovery, going all in versus uh, taking it slow, I think that this question is more so about the person's asking, I'm already at a healthy weight. I don't want to keep continue to eat as much as I'm eating. And really what I want to say here is healthy versus happy weight, right? Healthy versus I'm having a, I have a good life and I feel good in my, you know, I'm not mentally super stressed around food and body weight. So it's, it's way more than the behaviors, you know, recovery. Like I said, it asks us to pay attention to our lives. So what is going to serve you in your routine right now? So for this person asking this, if they feel like they're already at a healthy weight, what parts of your eating disorder have you not addressed? What parts of your eating disorder are mirrors to your life? What parts of your eating disorder do you need to extend into your life? And, you know, maybe... Maybe you're closer than you think in terms of recovery. I would just say for this person, I think a lot of times, honestly, when people are asking me, I'm already at a healthy weight. Why do I feel like I'm still struggling with food? You haven't learned maybe everything that recovery was trying to teach you and show you. Maybe that just, maybe you need more time. Maybe you need to pay attention. Maybe you need to try something different. So what will serve you in your routine right now? 
Next question is, what are some signs that you're on the right track, both emotional and physical? So I'm going to point you to the direction of my metabolism podcast that I just recently posted not too long ago. Uh, That goes into lots of signs of healing your metabolism. One of them is having generally stable weight, healthy thyroid, having good sleep, um, having a menstrual cycle that's regular, not being super, super moody, having general mood stability, not having to pee a lot, um, having, you know, a lot of people lose their hair, so having the hair growth or just having the thicker hair, lots and lots of symptoms and signs. There's, you know, mental and physical signs that you can track for progress that are way more suitable than stepping on the scale. Somebody said how to get over the feelings of fullness and puffiness. I kind of touched on this already. Honoring your fullness is just as important as honoring your hunger. What is the story that you're telling yourself? What are the assumptions that you're telling yourself that you hold about being full? Like, why why is being full a bad thing? Obviously, there are, you know, there's like a hunger and fullness scale. So I think just not being reactive to yourself. As soon as you're, quote, too full, ugh, like, I just hate myself. I just, I can't believe I'm this type of person. Like you're, you're writing yourself off. You're abandoning yourself when you have those negative self thoughts. So what I would say is next time you feel really full or full at all, whatever it is, just listen, just say, thank you body for talking to me and listen. I promise it goes a really long way on the hunger and fullness scale look at the scale and there's lots of scales online. Honestly, um, I would say, you know, one is just absolutely famished, lightheaded, dizzy, you're extremely hungry. Whereas 10 is just, you feel sick. You feel uncomfortably full. Um, you have to unbutton your pants and just lay down. I would say a good place to end up is seven or eight that seven is you're not hungry, you're full, you're not uncomfortably full. Eight is you're maybe a little slightly uncomfortable, a little too full. Six is starting to feel fill up, you're not uncomfortable, and you could eat more. So I would say six, seven, eight, obviously seven sounds great. <laughs> Just ask yourself, where are where am I at? How am I feeling? And what can I tell myself? How can I give myself love and gratitude in in these moments when I'm feeling, quote, full and puffy? And that will really help you to not be so reactive and to listen to your body because the body speaks to us when we're full and when we're hungry. So if we automatically have a reaction to ourselves when we're overly full or when we're full at all, that's negative. The body isn't able, you're not able to learn and listen and tune into what your body's actually trying to tell you. Okay. (laughs) My next question is, somebody said, um, I see a lot of all in on social media. It seems like all the ED thoughts and urges just quote, turn off and aren't there. So I guess, is there a difference in coping with all in? I've always considered it, but it feels terrifying and unreachable. Yes, 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 yes. So I'm sure you've gotten this by now. Um, but this is my approach is that there is, 
there is perhaps a lack of sustainability in eating disorder recovery and all-in approaches that are out there. Um, I think a lot of people have taken the all-in approach and like coined it as their own, which is what I'm not trying to do. And so if you feel that there is a lack of ability to cope, if it's something that you feel like you've tried before and it doesn't work for you, that's okay. I think all in, in my experience, you really have to pause your life, you know, and that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to pause your life. I feel like for my eating disorder recovery, you know, it was 10 years of, of struggling and, and learning and conditioning myself to think a certain way about food and body and to cope in a certain way. So going all in and asking myself to just erase that wasn't practical for me in the long term. It could have been practical. I think if I were to not really work, kind of quit my job, like be more focused and honed in and do whatever I could to really um, make the time and space in my life for the all-in approach. So the last question I'm going to answer is somebody said, is it normal to feel like you've lost control and just can't stop eating so much? So again, I'm going to be doing an episode on extreme hunger in the future. I will just say this. You probably have months, maybe years, multiple years of eating disorder energy that's been built up like a dam, like a, a dam in a river. Like you've, you've built up this big dam and then all of a sudden recovery comes along and asks you to destroy the dam and, you know, you start leaking water everywhere <laughs> and this energy that has been stored up needs to be addressed so you can think of this time of your life where you feel like you've just lost control and you can't stop eating as this wave of water that's breaking that dam and then what happens is the water calms down so the body is really wise and recovery is wise and it tells us don't do these behaviors anymore they're not serving you and you have to grieve and go through so much pain to do this. That's what I would say. Another thing I'm thinking, essentially, to finish my thought actually first, you will stop at some point and you will, your hunger and fullness cues will restore, your restriction will be diminished or disappear, and then you will feel stable. Like the river is just a flowing Another thing I'm thinking is eating disorders are often about control. So it makes a lot of sense that we feel like we've lost control when we start eating, especially if we go all in or even taking it slow. So what other parts of your life is your ED a symbolic substitute for, right? What other parts of your life do you feel or have a lack of control? Do you want more control of? interesting question that I'll leave you with. So this was my, this is my approach, taking it slow, building positive experiences with most of my clients. All in is an amazing approach for many people. N not, neither one of them are right or wrong for an individual person. I want you to feel empowered that you can make your own decisions and whatever feels right for you in the moment. 
you know, your lifestyle, where you're at in your life, your job, are you in school? Do you have access to this food? Like what's going on? And you can decide for yourself what's best for you. And if it doesn't, if that doesn't work, keep trying because life is a big experiment and we can keep trying to learn about what our needs are and who we are and what makes us feel good. Okay. This was kind of a long episode. So thanks for tuning in and listening. Um, I would love it if you could leave me a rating and a review. If you have, if you like this episode and you like the show, it would mean so much to me. It's a great way. It's the best way to support this podcast. So thank you so much in advance and um, have an amazing rest of your week. Until next time.